to the Foundations Church Podcast. Avery, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, man, what we'll, we'll have that posted up this week, but that is some power in that story and her words. Um, I could go back into it, um, but she said it a lot better than I could. Um, some power in your, in your story, in your testimony, in your words. And thank you for sharing that story in our Dream On series because the reality is this wasn't the dream, this wasn't the life that Avery envisioned for her life, but it was life nonetheless. And some of us, that's where we feel life is at. We're just kind of dealing with life instead of dreaming in life. Um, we're just trying to kind of keep our head above water. You, you know what I'm talking about. You're just trying to not drown in the situations and the circumstances. Um, and, and you just kind of feel overwhelmed with everything. And how do you dream on when you're there? How do you dream on when it wasn't envisioned? Because, because hear me this morning. It's imperative for you, for me to keep dreaming, to realize, I love what she said, that good things are going to happen, bad things are going to happen, but that does not determine if God loves me or not. God loves you. He is for you. His word says that he came that you may have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. And this morning, some of us, we have settled for a whole lot less instead of stepping into all that God has for us. If you've missed a week of this series, I encourage you, go download it, uh, download the podcast, you can watch it, um, but, but what do you do when you're there? What do you do when you've stopped dreaming, when your dreams are scary and you just don't know how it's going to work out, when life just isn't how you saw it being? Um, this morning, I really want to let you kind of into my personal devotional life because that's where this message comes out of. Is during my quiet time with the Lord. Um, and so I, I'm gonna invite you into Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18. And I'm just gonna let you into some thoughts that God has been speaking to my heart personally. <clears throat> and it says this um, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, most of us know the story of the Israelites in Egypt. Pharaoh is finally letting the Israelites go after having them enslaved, and they've been slaves for over 400 years, and God sent Moses, and Moses has brought with him by the power of God the plagues, and finally they're letting, Pharaoh's letting them go. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way. We're going to come back to that. Through the wilderness towards the Red Sea, thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Verse 18, the very beginning of it. So God led them in a roundabout way. I love that. He didn't lead them in the shortest route. He didn't lead them in the most efficient route, right? He didn't lead them in the, in, in the easy, he led them in the roundabout way. And this morning, the first thing I would want to tell you is simply this, embrace the roundabout. Embrace the roundabout moments. 
Embrace the things that don't go like you have envisioned. All the type A people in this place, you hate this point right now. Embrace the roundabouts. Embrace when it doesn't go like your five years, your five-year plan doesn't go the way your five-year plan was envisioned going. Your 10-year plan. Some of you, you have a 20-year 20 20-year plan, and I'm like, what? Um, I'm like, don't even think 20-year days ahead, um, 20 days ahead. Um, but, but some of you, like, saying this point, you're like, oh, this, I'm, I'm going to throw up right now, uh, uh, you know, because it is against your ever-loving nature, me saying this. But this morning, hear me. Embrace the roundabout, because one thing I've understood about following the Lord now is that God leads all of us, not in efficient ways, but in roundabout ways. He leads you in paths you weren't anticipating. And uh, I, I, I took both of my kids on a 10-year-old trip, wherever they wanted to pick in the U.S., um, something that I decided I wanted to do, and Chloe decided that she was going to go to San Diego, then we drove to um, uh, Anaheim to go to Disneyland. And on our last, we had a blast. I mean, it was one of the favorite, my most favorite thing I've ever done with two, my, my two kids. If you have kids that are younger than 10, I would highly suggest a dad, kid, 10-year-old trip. Um, Casey's going to do something later with the girls when they get older. But man, it was fantastic with both of my kids. And um, on the last day, me and Chloe took a picture as we're leaving Disneyland um, because we're just upset. We're not happy. And we decided we were having so much fun, we didn't want to leave. And so this is us leaving Disneyland. And we go to the airport, and, and we knew we only had three days. And so we woke up early, and we closed the park down late. Um, I mean, we were up at 6 in the morning, and we were up to 2 in the morning. We slept for four hours a day. I just told Chloe, and she agreed, we'll sleep when we're dead. We got plenty of time. Let's do this. And so we spent it all. As we were leaving Disneyland, um, I don't know if this is my face because I'm sad or if I'm just exhausted at this point. Um, and we're going to the airport there at Anaheim, John Wayne Airport, and we get up to the counter at Southwest Airlines, and they said, Mr. Graves, I'm sorry, but your plane has been canceled because of mechanical problems. And I'm like, what, what, what does that mean? What, I'm tired, and I want to go home, and I want to sleep in my bed. What, what, what does that mean? I know my wife's not going to be happy, and my eldest child is not going to be, what does that mean? Can you get me another flight? There are no other flights for the day. And I'm like, but it's like 10 in the morning. What do you mean there's no more flights? Well, you can go to LAX, but that flight leaves in an hour. I'm like, I can't make that flight. You're just trying to get me to make me somebody else's problems. I'm your problem right now. Um, I'm not going anywhere. I am your number one problem. And they were like, well, what we can do, we'll book you on the flight tomorrow morning. We'll give you vouchers for a hotel, um, and we'll just get you taken care of. And so I'm sitting there, and I make a call Casey. She's super bummed. She's like, are you kidding? Are you serious right now? It was like, are you serious? You're, you're serious. You're not coming. I'm like, really? There's a mechanical issue. We're on a plane tomorrow. There's nothing we can do. And she's like, fine, 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 fine. So we go get checked into our hotel room and it's a janky hotel. I'm like, thanks Southwest. That's awesome. Um, Chloe, sleep, don't sleep on the comforter. We're going to just go buy some sheets or something. I was like, we're just, no. Um, and, and she goes, so, so dad, what are we going to do? You know, are we, what, what are we going to do? I'm like, well, Chloe, we can sit in our room and pout, 
or we can go party in Disneyland, right? And so we're on our way back to Disneyland. This is us back. We're like, whoa, we are exhausted. We're tired. We did not close the park down this day. We got done at like seven at night. And I was like, Chloe, I'm tired. She's like, I am too, dad. Um, we were, but here's the deal. We weren't planning this. Big sister was not happy that little sister got an extra day at Disneyland. I can promise you that. Um, but we had a choice. We could pout about it in our room, or we can make the, boast, the best of the opportunity that we were in and the situation that we were in. I wanted to go home. I wanted to sleep on the plane. I wanted to be at my house, but that's not what happened. And some of you are like, well, Justin, yeah, that's an easy roundabout, but I'm telling you, your choice is the same. You can either make the best of it or you can pout about it. This may not be how you envisioned it. This may not be how you thought life was gonna go. This wasn't the dream that you dreamed, but this is the dream that is. Now, are you gonna sit in your room and pout or are you going to get out there and step out there and make the best of it because here's what I can tell you this may be the roundabout way but many times God takes us in the roundabout ways he takes us in ways that we could never have thought he would take us to do things we never thought he could do he will do things that you never thought he would be capable of doing if you allow him to take you his way instead of your way because we are a culture that is consumed with efficiency. It's got to be efficient. It's got to be efficient. But can I tell you, God is consumed with setting the stage for his glory, not setting the stage for your efficiency, for your glory. It's all about his glory. And will you allow God to take you the roundabout way? Because if it's not the roundabout way, there's no Red Sea moment. There's no splitting of the walls. There's no seeing the even more miraculous things happen. In fact, the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 20 and 21 out of the message. It says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church, glory to God in the Messiah in Jesus, glory down all the generations, glory through all millennia. Oh yeah, I, I feel like this, this, the writer Paul saying, oh yeah, you know, like, oh yeah, God can do way more than you can think, dream, or imagine. He's not going to push you that way. Will you be willing him to follow? Will you be willing to follow him in the roundabout way? Because you don't have to go. You can sit in your room. You can sit right where you are and you can cross your arms and you can get mad because good things aren't happening. Avery had a choice. She could have been bitter. She could have been broken the rest of her life. She could have refused to move on because life wasn't fair. This wasn't the way she envisioned it, but nonetheless, this is life. So what I'm going to do is instead of sitting and sulking, oh, there's hurt, there's brokenness, but I'm going to make the best out of my brokenness. 
I'm gonna make the best out of my hurting and I'm gonna keep following God even though I don't know the direction, even though why, why you, if, you, if you're married in this place, there's gonna be a time, ladies, that you're driving and your husband's not driving, it's gonna drive him crazy, that's me. Um, if I'm in a car, I wanna be driving the car. And there's gonna be a time when Casey goes away and I'm like, why'd you go that way? Why are you, go, why are you going this way? This is the long way. And can I tell you what you need to say is this, it will diffuse the argument, not, well, I thought this was the quickest way. It's not the quickest way. That's going to create a whole argument. Just say this because I want to. I want to go this way. This is the way I want to go, so shut up and sit there and just enjoy the drive. And can I tell you, so many times we're that front seat passenger with God. We're like, well, God, why are you going this way? I, this is the long way. This is, And he's just doing it because he wants to. And you can enjoy the ride, and you can make the best of it, and you can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Or you can sulk and you can be not productive and you can be lonely and you can be bitter. That's your choice. Either party at Disneyland or sulk in the shady, really questionable hotel room. <laughs> That's your choice. But, but where we get hung up, where we get hung up is this. And it's really a warning. When we forget all the right, we get consumed with the one wrong. When we get, when we forget about all the right, we get consumed with the one wrong. Exodus chapter 4, God hears the cry of the Israelites, and God sends Moses, the deliverer, back to Egypt. In Exodus chapter 7, uh, 7 through 11, he sends a plague of blood, of frogs, of gnats, of flies, a plague against the livestock of the Egyptians, of boils, of hail, of locusts, of darkness, and then the death of all of Egypt's firstborn. In Exodus chapter 12, the Israelites actually are leaving Egypt, and all the Egyptians, I love this part, all the Egyptians give them their wealth. Like their gold, their possessions, they give it all to them. And so you're wondering how they made that golden calf because they were rich. There was gold in them, their hills. They were rich coming out of Egypt. In Exodus 13, it says that the Lord led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And if this isn't enough, I caught this this past time in Exodus chapter 14, verse 19. It talks about how the angel of God, which most uh, um, theologians believe it's Gabriel, the angel of God had been leading the people of Israel the whole time out of Egypt. How awesome is that? Exodus 14, 19, that talks about the angel of God leading the Israelites and he pulls to the back. All these amazing things have happened in a very short period of time. You're seeing God do the impossible. And yet, <clears throat> Exodus 14, verse 10 through 12 says this, as Pharaoh approached, what have I done, right? Like, I, I just let all my work, my free workforce, all my slaves leave. Pharaoh's going to uh, pursue them. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, <clears throat> and I love this, and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? <laughs> Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. 
Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. One thing goes wrong and they lose their mind, right? God has done right thing after right thing, miracle after miracle proved faithful after faithful after faithful, and yet one thing goes wrong. And it hadn't even gone wrong, right? It's the what if, well, what if Pharaoh gets us, right? It's not even a reality yet, and they lose their minds. They go after Moses, Forget about our 400 years of praying for a deliverer. Forget about us like, man, this is the man. Have you seen Mo go? Mo is a machine, man. He is, he's got nicknames. I mean, they're throwing parties. They realize what's going on. They were singing songs as they're exiting Egypt. And I mean, it is a party happening. And all of a sudden, one thing goes wrong and they lose it. And can I tell you, we're the same way. When we want to like, oh, the Israelites, oh, I, I would never be like them. But we're the same. I'm the same. I'm the same way. I'm the same way, and I make myself sick. Because I've seen God do this, and I've seen God do that, and I've seen God answer this prayer, and I've seen God be way too good for me here. And then there's that one thing, that one possibility of something that might not go my way. It's, it's not even that it's gone wrong, it's what if this goes wrong? What if this is a bad health report? What if the finances are here? What if my kids do this? What if, what if, what if? Or maybe it is present reality and one thing's going wrong, we're like, well, God must not love me anymore. God must not be for me. Justin, I hear you say, if God be for me, who can be against me? But apparently he's not for me. And we lose our mind. And we lose our faith in God. But can I tell you, if you will stay faithful to God, God will stay faithful to you. He can't be anything but faithful because it is in his character. It is his nature. It's what the Bible says, that God can't be anything but faithful. That's who he is. So don't forget about all the right and get consumed with the, wrong, with the one wrong. Embrace the roundabout where God is desiring to take you for his glory, not for your efficiency. Second thing I would tell you is this, is you can't surf standing on the shore. You can't surf standing on the shore. You can't have your dreams standing still, right? We want to, oh, I'm going to dream. Mm, well, I got a dream, right? I got a dream, but I don't know how that's going to become a reality because I don't want to do anything scary. You can't surf standing on the shore. There's a guy named uh, uh, Mick Fanning. His name, his nicknamed White Lightning. Um, I think that should be my nickname, actually. Um, it's an Australian, he's an Australian pro surfer who has won the 2007, 2009, and 2013 World Championships of Surfers, but on July 19th, some of you have seen this video, 2015, he was attacked by a shark. Like, this isn't Photoshopped. I actually watched this video happening, and I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? It's a great white shark. Um, they're surfing at the end of South Africa. If you're in South Africa, let me tell you something. Um, where they do Shark Week and where they do like these giant great white sharks jumping out of the water is South Africa. Don't surf in South Africa, just don't do it. 
Don't do it. I'm trying to save you here. And he has to literally beat this shark off. Like, I'm like, I may have a little bit of a man crush on this guy right here. He's like punching the shark, getting away from the shark. They come in with jet skis, blah, blah, blah. But the story doesn't stop there. Six days later, as if fate were to take him out, another shark pursued him um, in Costa Rica, and he had to get out of the water then as well. At that point, I'm done. I'm like, nah, nah. Six days later, another shark, you, you joker, no. This happened, and then I go to, uh, uh, to go learn to surf very shortly after this event, right? I'm in Costa Rica, and I'm going... I'm thinking great white sharks. And, he's, and the, the, the surf instructor's like, there's, there's no great white sharks in Costa Rica. I go, are there sharks? I go, are there sharks? He's like, yeah, there's sharks. I'm like, well, how are you going to keep those sharks away from me? Because I'm sure I'm tasty. I'm, I'm full of goodness. Um, you know, I'm... <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not a bitter old cranky person. I'm a, I'm a tasty treat. And so... Um, and I'm like, I don't want to get in, and I don't want to serve, and I don't want to try to learn something and do something new if I've, there's a chance for me to get eaten. And I love what my surf instructor said. I actually wrote it down. He says, there's always going to be sharks in the water. you got to surf in spite of them. There's, there's always going to be sharks in the water. There's always going to be obstacles to your dreams. There's always going to be problems that you're going to encounter. Man, you got to surf despite them. you gotta, you got to surf despite that it's not a foolproof plan. There was not a foolproof plan that I was coming out of the water, right? There was some risk that was involved. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm surfing. I didn't see anything. And here I am today, alive and well. Um, and I would go surfing again. But it's, it's not a fail-proof plan. But so many of us, we are so fearful of the sharks that we never pursue the dream. We're allowing the sharks to keep us out of the water. We are allowing people who have said mean things or done mean things um, or done hurtful things to keep us from achieving the new thing that God has for us. We've allowed situations to dictate, oh, well, I can't move on from here. I've just got to stay still because there, there's nothing I can do or I failed achieving or trying to go after my dream and so I'm not going to go try to do anything else because I've already failed once. Can I tell you, failing isn't failing. Quitting and stop getting up time and time again, that is when you have failed. Failing is not failure. Failing to try is failure. I love what it says in Exodus 14, verse 15 through 16. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? And Moses is like, hey, the, Israel, the, the, the Egyptians are coming. He's like, well, what are you doing crying out to me for? <laughs> Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff, and I could preach that right there, but I don't have time this morning. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Use what God has given you. Stop wishing that you had something you don't. Use what God has placed in your hand. Pick it up and start using it to go after your dreams. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Can I tell you, for some of us, the most godly thing we can do for our dreams in our life is to stop praying and get moving. It's, it's to stop praying about it. Stop waiting for all the sharks and all the risk to be gone. And to just be obedient and moving towards it. You prayed yourself to death. And you're not going to hear me say that a whole lot. I love prayer. I am a praying guy. 
But some of you, you are in a holding pattern because you're waiting for everything to be perfect, and we want the dreams of God without the faith to get us there. We want the dreams of God to happen without having to have the faith of God that it takes to get us there. And here's what it says in Ecclesiastes 11, verses 4 through 5. It says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. God's ways are mysterious as the pathway of the wind and and as the manner in which a human spirit is infused into the little body of a baby while it is still in a mother's womb. Man, stop waiting for perfect conditions and just be obedient to available opportunities. There's a big, big difference. And some of us, we're waiting for perfect conditions, and we're going to be in a holding pattern for the rest of our life. You can't surf standing on the shore. Hebrews 11.6, you can never please God without faith, without depending on him. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely Look for him. I want to go back. You can never please God without faith, without depending on him. We want to have our dreams come true without taking scary steps. We want the dreams of God to happen without having to have faith to get us there. But it says this, man, you can't, you can't. This whole following God and seeing the dreams come to fruition, you, you, it's not that you can't be a follower of Christ, but, but you can't please God. You're never going to have the dreams that God has for you. You can't please God if, one, you don't believe in him, but here's the one that we struggle with if you don't depend on him. And we depend on our abilities and our resources and our talents a lot more than we depend on our Savior to do what I can't do for myself, for the favor and the anointing of God to rest on us. And that's where some of us are, and that's where some of us are holding at. And to you this morning, I would say, you may not be sure, you may be nervous, you may be scared to death, welcome to the club. I got a great poker face. I may look like I'm not scared, but can I tell you everything that God has called me to, yeah, I get excited about, but I have sleepless nights over it. Man, get moving, get engaging over the dream God has for you. And the last thing I would say this is that you can plan it, but God establishes it. You can plan it. Back to my type A people, come on, baby. You can plan the way it's all gonna go, right? You can envision it. I had, when we, we started this church, we had a five and 10 year vision and a plan for this church. Can I tell you, not one of those things happened. <laughs> not, not one thing. Like I look back at the goals and the dreams, I'm like, yeah, that didn't happen. That, that we were so stupid and idiotic. I'm right there. Uh, you can plan it. You plan, plan. Hey, you need to plan. I'm not, this isn't a sermon like, oh, we're just going to go ride shotgun and just do this and see where God takes us. Where are you going to blow me to today, God? No, that's not this. You need to plan it, but you can plan it, but hear me. God establishes it. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 and 9. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Surrender to the Lord whatever you do. Don't hold on to it. Don't let it become your idol. Put it on the altar. 
Commit it. Surrender it. Let them have it. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Verse 9, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Psalms 90 verse 17 says this, may the Lord, the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. As I was uh, going over my message with Casey on Thursday or Wednesday, she goes, you know, I wrote about that in my book. I was like, yes, I remember that. Um, I didn't. Um, and so she's like, oh, yeah, I, I wrote about it. And I was like, okay, let me, let me read it. Let me see what you got. Um, I got to tell you, she, she writes in this book something way better than I could preach it. And so I'm just going to read you an excerpt out of my wife's books. I'm not trying to sell a book right now. But page 46, she says this, anytime God asks me to do something that I know I cannot accomplish, I draw on those words from Psalm 90 and pray Establish the work of our hands. There are at least two parts to this scripture. The first idea is that we must work. If God is to establish the work of our hands, we must first be working. We've got to be moving. We have to put effort into the dreams that God gives us. God uses people to accomplish great tasks, and he does it by using our hands, our feet, our voice, our minds, and energy. He expects each of us to move on his behalf to give all we have and do our part. Are you doing that part? The second key to understanding that scripture is the idea that as we work for God, he establishes that work. In the Hebrew language, the word establish is yakad. Yakad means to lay the foundation, to fix and to ordain. Webster defines establish as to cause something to be widely known, to put someone in position for a long time or create something lasting. That sounds like what most people would want to accomplish in life. We want to create something lasting, to be in a position to have influence in this world and to see God ordain and fix our work in place. I love this. It's not our job to get ourselves into a position of permanence. It's not our job to create something lasting. That is God's job. Our job is to work. His job is to establish. That is really, really good. And some of us, we're not doing our job so God can't do his some of us, we've been praying. Some of us, we've just been holding. We've been waiting. We've been holding. We've been waiting. And this morning, the most biblical thing I can tell you is get to work. Get moving. Get going into the promises that God had us. This is what the Israelites had done. They were just waiting and waiting. God, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? He's like, I told you the promise is there. The promised land is ahead of you. You're never going to get there by standing still. Why are you crying? Get on to moving. And some of you, you just got to get on to moving. We want God to kind of spell out the whole puzzle, right? I got a little Iron Man puzzle right here. And we want God to kind of show, here's how it's all going to go. It's going to, it's good. This is what your life's going to look like right here. Austin, this is what, you're, this is what happens when you sit on the front row. This is what your life is going to look like right here. And I'm going to place it out. And it's going to be this neat, nice way to do it. But can I tell you, that's not how it works. He gives you a piece. He gives you a piece to the puzzle. 
And it may be a roundabout piece. It may not be an edge. I know all you type A, you're like, it's got to be an edge. It's got to be an edge. I'm starting off. It's got to be an edge. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I know. It may not be an edge piece. It may be a middle piece, and you're going, oh, I don't know what to do with it. Be obedient. Be faithful in working the peace that God has placed in your hands. Pick up your staff. What's he placed in your hand to do with it? Do it. Stop waiting for all the conditions you can't surf while you're waiting for the sharks to disappear. They're always going to be there. Start learning to surf on top of the sharks and to step into what God has given you, man. He wants you to live this life. Don't let the sharks keep you out of the water. But man, just like that surfer, start hitting them in the face. Man, start going to battle. They come to attack you, say, bam. Bam, I'm out, and I'm going to keep on surfing, and I'm going to keep on working the abilities and the talents that God has given me because I know what he's called me to, and I'm going to get moving. It may be scary. It may be unpredictable. I may not know what in the world God's going to do with this piece of the puzzle, but I'm going to be faithful in using the piece that he has given me to make the picture go in a roundabout way because I know God's got a plan even if it's a roundabout. I know he's got a purpose. I know he's got a plan even if I don't don't understand it, and I'm going to be faithful in following it. Man, I hope, I hope, I hope. Some of you, you don't just get to dreaming, but you get to moving towards those dreams because that's what dreaming on is all about. That's what letting a dream come alive is all about in your life, and he's got something great. Move on, take a hold of it, and watch what God does in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. And God, it is our honor and our privilege uh, to come before you, and I just thank you for what you are doing in our lives, in our hearts, and what you are speaking. And God, I pray in this place, Lord, there's so many people that, Lord, they don't know what to do with where they are. Lord, they're waiting for all the pieces to be laid out on the table, but that's not how you work. That's not how it goes about. You give us a piece of a time. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be faithful like Moses. Lord, you said to Moses, pick up your staff. I I pray that we never lay the staff down of our life. Lord, the abilities and the talents that you put there, the piece of the puzzle that you put there, don't let us lay it down and wait for you to clear everything up and make it perfect. But Lord, I pray, let some of us pick our staff up and let us get moving towards the things you have for us. Lord, I pray that we would stop waiting to feel a certain way, that we would stop waiting to feel certain resources, and we would realize that your word is true in Ephesians, that you can do far more, way more than what we could ever think, dream, or imagine in our wildest dreams. God, I pray as we dream on that you would blow our dreams out of the water. And that not just that something would be birthed. Not that something would just be realized. But God, we'd start chasing after it. We'd start moving after it. And Lord, we wouldn't let the sharks keep us out of the water any longer. But we would go after the very things that we're scared to go after. And Lord, we would have audacious faith in this place because we serve a God that is capable, that is able, and is bigger than our dreams. Lord, I pray move and let us be moving. In Jesus' name I pray.
with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we want to give you a chance to change that. This morning, if you're here and you say, you know, I, I, I know who Jesus is. I've asked him into my heart, but I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with him. Somewhere along the, the line, I just drifted from him. And today I need to get things right. I need to recommit my life to him. So I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, if you need to just recommit your life or you need to make a first-time decision, when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here this morning? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, there's one, there's two, there's three. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands that are raised before we go any further in service. You say, Justin, that's me today. Is there anyone else before we go any further? You say, man, that's me, Justin. That's me. Yeah, I see there's four hands. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. That's me today. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for today. And I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your grace and love enter my life. God, I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can we give these four individuals that raise their hand a huge round of applause, yeah. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.